Welcome to Bad Patient. I'm Robin Donovan. I'm Laura Marker. And we are two non-medical, non-experts taking an unreasonably deep dive into this week's health news. And this week's words are new study, screen time, less pain, and cure for cancer. All right. Can you tell I was totally ready for that? (laughs) (laughs) Cure for cancer. Okay. Great. Cool. Uh, Quick question for you, Laura. Are you prepared for the polar vortex striking your part of the world? I do not think I am. I did not go to the store and get bread and milk because I am not sure what I'm supposed to do with those two items. (laughs) So probably going to die. That's... That's the only, that's the main takeaway from this, Robin, is well, if you're you not... will be doing this by yourself. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next week's going to be a very short episode. And if you're not a fan of bread and milk here in Portland, uh, we tend to run out of coffee and marijuana, or I should say cannabis products during, during emergencies. So just so you know, priorities are different, different places. Also, I want to tell you that I have decided that Anytime someone says wind chill, I'm just going to delete the last sentence that they said from my mind because I have decided that wind chill is just a metric designed to make news about weather more enticing. And by enticing, I mean scary. I mean, it's kind of, yes, it's kind of fake. The wind chill, well, no, the wind chill is what makes it deadly. Like, it's not just Arctic temperature, but like the wind chill is like negative 50. And that shit will kill you. I mean, so, I, I, I please get don't it. delete. Please don't delete it. <laughs> no, I mean, don't get it twisted. <laughs> I just feel. I feel like we've started. Instead of saying what temperature it's going to be, we just say the wind chill thing. And like, I just, I don't know. It's like, it's like no, like this is what temperature it is, and like. And it's windy, so that makes it more dangerous. But it's still whatever temperature it is. And like, but with wind chill, it's like negative 50. I'm like, just say what temperature first. Like, the temperature, I think, should still be the primary reported thing. Okay. You're wrong, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what temperature are you expecting? Uh, it's supposed to be negative 2 is the low, um, last I checked. But with the wind chill, it's going to be like negative 20. And that's why... My campus is closing because it is going to be extremely dangerous to walk outside for any period of time because within 10 minutes, you can get, like, frostbite, so... Oh, because it's going to be super windy. <laughs> like, because it's super windy, and that yeah. will, like, make you lose your face. So, okay. like, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But, like, it's important to take in respect of the wind chill because, <laughs> like, the wind can kill you. <laughs> All right. I like, I understand. Say, yeah. No. And I, I agree. Like, it's like how negative food. This seems like overly dramatic. Like, come on. Yeah. But like, they're like, no, like, but this is like an extreme weather event. So like, that's why it seems like so arbitrary, right? Mm, because okay. it's not just that it's cold weather coming down from the Arctic. It's like the wind from the Arctic is also coming down. So, so in this case, you greater appreciation right. for people who live in Alaska. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's how I'm taking it. I don't know if that's good, right, or bad, but. I, I don't want to die, Robin, so I'm going to have to listen to the wind chill. No, okay, that's fair. I wonder if my company will be closed. Hmm. Is it I tomorrow? So. Is it tomorrow? Yeah. Wow. They haven't decided yet, I guess. Uh, I think I'll be working either way. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what's our first story? So are you? our first story comes from Gizmodo, and it's major news study finds lowering blood pressure can prevent cognitive decline, but questions remain. Oh, yeah, this is the Alzheimer's so, study thing, right? 
yeah, so it's looking at cognitive um, uh, decline, which is not the same as Alzheimer's. So uh, it's about a trial that was called SPRINT, and they recruited nearly 10,000 volunteers the age of 50 that had high blood pressure and at least one other factor of cardiovascular disease like smoking. And they compared to whether trying to lower a person's blood pressure top number below 120 rather than the overall health of trying to lower it um, was better for a person's overall health than trying just to lower it to 140, um, which is considered standard. So they published in uh, JAMA and uh, they had some pressure, some luck in, in it, making it better, but it didn't really show that like necessarily it was statistically significant. Oh, um, well then, why are we even reporting this? And cognitive decline is different than dementia. Yeah. So, um, so it was, um, not a, so like is trying to lower, uh, MCI, um, which not everybody who has MCI gets Alzheimer's, but everybody who has Alzheimer's has MCI first. So it's like not necessarily a guarantee, but it is like a step yeah. in stone that way. And MCI is mild um, cognitive impairment. Right. So it wasn't looking at dementia per se. So it is helpful, but it's not, um, it's not like, it's not necessarily a cure, a cure for cognitive uh, issues. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily, so, so the Alzheimer's close, Association no is now going to fund, it looks like, a two-year uh, data collection study to follow up on this. Yes. So there uh, is more research to do. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as always, I think I think the I think the bigger story here is that it raised a question, and that they're going to dedicate more time to studying this. The actual finding, like I think this headline is misleading. Like major new study finds lowering absolutely blood pressure can prevent <laughs> cognitive decline. No, major new study actually found no significant link between lowering blood pressure and cognitive decline i mean uh, but questions remain like yeah like questions remain is all the questions remain (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i just don't i don't i don't agree with the way that this is presented so i mean but it is well explained it says in other words the study actually failed to meet its primary outcome here i want to like in defense of of this writer potentially is, is the the case that in many news outlets the person who writes the headline is not the same as the person who writes the story. So you know, but but still, mm-hmm. but still. So but still, I just read a cool article about a restaurant in I think Japan that's called something like the restaurant of mixed up orders or something, and they have a staff like. The wait staff is exclusively oh, yeah. people with dementia. Did you see this? I I mean, I feel like I saw it like back in the day. Like I don't know if I've seen it recently. I yeah. think of like of something like yeah, somebody who has like cognitive issues. Uh, issues. Yeah, so basically <laughs> you kind of go there and you agree not to complain if your order comes out wrong, and it probably will. And when you're ordering, instead of telling someone your order, you write down your order and give it to them, but nevertheless mistakes arise. I really like this. 
And I think it's something that's interested me is like, how do we keep older people engaged? And I wish we could kind of shift our culture around the way that we see older people, because I'm hoping I'm going to be an older person one day. And I don't want people to think that I'm not, you know, like, I just feel like we really have de-emphasized the wisdom that you accumulate over a lifetime. And we don't absolutely, you know, give people in their 80s and 90s as much value as they have. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's our next story? So our next story comes from Scary Mommy. Um, And it's painfully obvious study highlights the real damage screens can do. So a new study that was published in JAMA Pediatrics um, followed 2,500 kids from the ages of 2 to 5 living in Canada from 2011 to 2016. And they kind of viewed how much they use screen time and how that impacted uh, their um, more, they making them more likely to miss developmental milestones in young children. So on average, uh, two-year-olds watch television, tablets, and video games of 2.4 hours a day, three-year-olds 3.6, and average five-year-old 1.6 hours a day, all of which is more than the one hour, no more than one hour recommendation. Um, These kids were um, more likely to have a delay in their communication, fine motor, gross motor, social, and emotional skills. So it's something that I think like a lot of people like know, but like it's quantifying that like those kids are being delayed. And I thought that was uh, helpful. But what I really liked about it is that um, there are things, a few things to consider. A little screen time isn't harmful, especially if you're choosing educational fare for your kids and giving those lived experience like playing outside, interacting with caregivers, reading and creating, and probably more important than being extremely strict with screens, but enriching your kids when you can. So um, they recommended having a media plan uh, rules for your family, which limits screen time and maximize lived experiences because 99% of homes, kids' homes, have screens in them. Okay. And it's better to teach them how to have a healthy relationship with screen time rather than to ban it completely. Okay, here's that was an interesting take from it. I mean, yeah, like that sounds great. Here's like the problem or here's what I think is the problem. No, here's the problem. I'm saying it. I like, do you like, I don't know any adults, including me, including myself, including me. Damn it. Americans, y'all have misused the worst my word myself so much that now even I don't know when it should be me and when it should be myself. But anyway, everyone I know and I put myself in this group, uses their phone like way too much and is in front of screens way too much to the point that like Apple created like screen time limiting apps and stuff now for iPhones and like everyone's starting to talk about it. And so I feel like we're like, this is what we need to do for kids, but adults aren't capable of doing it. So it would be like telling kids like you've got to eat a healthy diet, but all the adults in your life are going to only eat pizza and hamburgers. And so it's like, we just need to like maximize lived experiences. I'm like, no, I feel like we need like a, like a global SOS on screen time. It's terrible. Like mine is terrible. Everyone's I know is terrible. Like there's maybe a few people I know who are like really good at limiting it and they miss out on stuff all the time because like so many groups like only organize on Facebook. I just feel like this is like a societal problem. And and now we're like, oh, it's really messing up the kids. I'm like, you got to start with, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the solution is, but like, yeah, this is a train wreck. Absolutely. I think you're right. But it also fucks up kids more because it also means that they don't have like motor skills and like emotional skills. So it's making it worse. Well, 
you Vid- know, video like, games are little developing minds are like worse. This is, we're looking at two to five year olds. So video yeah, games, I'm okay. not really sure. I think there's video games. So, like I know that like kids who play video games have, have better like fine motor coordination or can, but I think there's some, there's obviously some developmental delays happening. And like you say, I don't know how many two year olds are like playing world of Warcraft. I just, yeah, this is like really terrifying. And in some ways, I don't want to be that like cranky old person who's like, I'm so glad when I grew up, it wasn't this way, but I'm kind of glad that there weren't iPhones when I was a toddler because I'm having enough trouble with it as it is. I think the only hope Mm -hmm. is that maybe like some future generation is going to realize how awful it is and just like as a mass movement, just toss the phones and like start a major movement against it. Like, I don't, I don't see anything changing. Absolutely. You're totally right. Cause it'll just be like implanted, implanted on their eyeball. Uh, oh my God. This is like so anxiety provoking. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I even tried. I got the app on my phone to like limit my Instagram and I got it down to like five to 10 minutes a day. And then I was starting to work on my iPhone usage. And then like a couple stressful things happened in my life. And I was like, ah, like I don't have the bandwidth for this. And it just immediately went back. And like my Instagram time actually went up. And now I'm like, oh my God. And I've done like, the only thing I've been successful at limiting is how often I check my personal email. And I'm pretty good at only checking that once a day now. But that's like a drop in the bucket of what I need to do. And it's also really hard to track this information because like you use your phone for things that you probably wouldn't want to stop using it for, like um, like listening to music or listening to podcasts. I don't think is like, in my case, I think that's a good thing and getting directions. So then it can be, I mean, the phone breaks it down. But when you just look at the total number of hours per week, it's really terrifying. I don't know. It just makes me feel bad. Like I tried to fix it and I just feel like I was unsuccessful and I tried hard. That's fine. I mean, you did. You legit tried really hard. You did a very good job at trying. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I, and I will try again. And I, you know, I pretty much stopped using Twitter. Like for me, obviously, the podcast still has a wonderful Twitter account, which you do. So everyone, you can check us out on The Bad Patient if your screen time is out of control and you too have realized that the situation is hopeless. Laura, what's our next story? Our next story comes from Mind Body Green, and it is getting more sleep could make you feel less pain, study says. And I feel like this is a, from the published in a journal of neuroscience, and I feel like this is like no freaking duh kind of thing. <laughs> like if, yeah, if so, the way that they tested it is they had um, 25 healthy adults, which seems like a really small sample size, in the lab setting, test their pain threshold where. Um, they did the experiments once with a full night's sleep and they kept, and once that they kept them up all night and they used, um, uh, they applied heat to their legs to see how much they could tolerate. And when they were sleep deprived versus fully rested, uh, a person's tolerance for pain was much higher when you were fully rested. But I also feel like telling someone like you have chronic pain. Well, if you just sleep more, you would have less chronic pain. Like, no shit, Sherlock. But if I could sleep, then I wouldn't be having chronic pain. Right. So, like... (laughs) Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I get really tired of hearing all these things where, like, now they're linking... They link this with, like, the use of narcotics. And it says, like, we can hopefully reduce... Um, here's an actual portion of a quote from someone in the article. We can hopefully reduce reduction rates. What does that even mean? 
and the dependency on these drugs that in fact actually disrupt sleep. So yeah, because it's not, it's not just like sleep being for eight hours. It's like getting good rest for eight hours, but it includes some MD approved tips to get you started. There's a link to those. Mm -hmm. I don't even, I can already tell you like what they're going to say. It's like, have a routine, go to bed at the same time every night, make sure the room's not too warm, make sure it's dark, take a warm bath because the drop in your body temperature after you get out helps you go to sleep. Like don't eat right before bed unless it's like a small amount of a sleep promoting food like milk, even though I think we've um, we've like disproven tryptophan as a sleep thing, a sleep aid somehow, I don't know. I just remember like from last year, two things I learned were like one, sugar does not cause hyperness hyperactivity in kids, even though everyone thinks that it does. And then the other counterintuitive thing was that turkey doesn't make you sleepy. I mean, like overeating can make you sleepy, but like turkey itself, that's not a thing. So it's not, that's not what they said to do. Do you want to know the 10 things? Sure. Get the phone out of the bedroom. Wake up in the middle of the night. Pay attention to your blood sugar. Okay. Uh, Think about your caffeine consumption. Yes, actually. Try an earlier bedtime. Be strategic about light. I got that. Uh, consider alcohol. Uh, try take magnesium. Try jujube. It's a supplement, and experiment with GABA, which is also another uh, thing. And then wind down. Yeah. Okay. Heard it all before. Not interested. <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> I like. I feel like tips on going to sleep are like a dime a dozen, and they're all. It's like the same couple dozen things. So, um. Also, like I think that. I wish people were more uh, in tune with the calcium magnesium relationship. Like, um, like the absorption of one is dependent on the other and they work together in a lot of functions in the body. So like you don't necessarily want to take one without considering the other, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's always like, think about taking more magnesium or like whatever. I, I think like, that nutrition has untold complexities that for some reason we have just decided that as a society we don't really care about. And it's like, well, I'll just take a supplement. And it's like, well, what about like when you take this thing, then it's going to block your absorption of this other thing. So that could cause new problems. I mean, if you really think about it, nutrition is like incredibly complex, you know, like, and so just telling someone to take a supplement, I, mm, I feel like you need to look Doesn't at it always. at a bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, but that's like a societal thing. I mean, that's like a good tip because right now our society doesn't value that. So telling them to take a supplement is like a tip that is in line with what we all believe in. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, like you said, the study is 25 people. So, you know, great. <laughs> I've actually been sleeping eight hours a night every night for a while. And it's been really pretty cool. Although not as cool as you would think. Like what I learned is I really need that much sleep. So like, I feel Mm. better when I get it. But I was hoping it would be like earth shattering, but it's more like the other way. Now, if I get like seven, I'm like, yeah, I really don't feel that great. The only good thing that's really come out of it is if I have one night of sleep where I get like five hours, then I can actually kind of be okay if I got eight a bunch of times before that. But um, it's not as detrimental. Yeah. I mean, I think what the study is trying to say is that like sleep deprivation on its own can lower your tolerance to pain. But I mean, eh. also I feel like this website mind body green has some like at times less than good evidence, like less than good 
Science? Like, okay, for example. Yeah, it was all over, it was all over my Google News alerts, though. It was, they had, like, five different articles that were, like, yeah. populating. So I picked one. Yeah. For but example. it was published example, in the Journal of, of no, Neuroscience. So, like, I know. it's a legit study, but the reporting might not be the greatest. Yeah. Here, here's a sampling of other articles on Mind Body Green. One, Jenny McCarthy explains her vaccine position. Two, eight reasons I haven't vaccinated my daughter. Now, to be fair, they did do what I wish everyone knew about vaccines from a doctor who has seen patients um, die from flu and flu-related complications. But I'm just saying, I feel like an outlet that is going to publish an op-ed by Jenny McCarthy on vaccines is not, you know, potentially not as trustworthy. Not the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> or like they're just they're they're taking an anti-science stance that makes me question the rigor of their other writing sure all right you ready for our last news story from our friendly friends at fox and friends yes yeah so this comes from fox news and it's cure for cancer israeli scientists claim to be on the brink of development yeah i so saw there's a group this. of israeli scientists who think that they can cure have found a cure for cancer and have optimistically predicted that they will have it will be found within a year. Um, there has the at least one expert in the U.S. has questioned the potential cure's legitimacy, um, and that it's uh, important uh, to not make irresponsible or un- ultimately cruel, cruel, false promises yeah. for cancer patients. But they're saying that they have created this cure that's um, an antibiotic that is multi-prong approach that's kind of similar to the treatment that's given to HIV patients. And uh, they are working on it. And uh, the most important thing is that they have had no uh, human tests. And it has shown success (laughs) in mice. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. And I, I noticed that, like, not all the big news outlets have reported on this and I'm guessing some of them skipped it. I think, I think the most responsible thing that Fox did in writing this piece is to make the pull quote, which is the big, does everyone know what a pull quote is? It's like a big blown up quote in the middle of an article. So pull quote is like you took a line out of the piece and you put it in big, huge text. So this one is more likely this claim is yet another in a long line of spurious, irresponsible and ultimately cruel false promises for cancer patients. I concur. <laughs> I really do. I feel like they and just wanted they said, some press. Cure for cancer? Question mark. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cure for cancer? I mean, you and I might find a cure for cancer in the next year. We don't know. We can't see the future. But like this is, I don't know. Plus, there this is like a story they're re-reporting from the Jerusalem Post. Eliminating the chances of evasion through mutation. Blah, blah. I mean, Okay. We will be here, researchers, in a year, and we'll we'll check and see. Like it's nearing it's nearing the clinical trial stage. Like it hasn't even been approved for clinical trials. So a lot of talk, no action yet. Yeah, no human action. I like I like the other. Yeah, the same guy who did the pull quote also said, "Cancer is multiple diseases, and it is highly unlikely that this company has found a quote cure for any cancer any more than there is a single cure for infections." Which is like another, which is like another really good thing to know. Like one of the things I learned about cancer this mm-hmm. year that was really surprising to me was that um, the type of cancer is not necessarily like organ specific in its similarity to other cancers. Like you can have like 
two cancers in two different people and two different organs that are more similar in the type of cells or something or like the way that they behave than like two cancers in two different people in the same organ. Does that make sense? So like, yeah, there could, there have been like treatments that have been really successful that they just happen to say like, Oh, like this is like a pancreatic cancer thing. This person has like throat cancer or whatever, esophageal cancer. And like, this is going to work. That's not an actual example, but I think, I think that's (laughs) where more of the promise for cancer lies than like, we're going to just get rid of cancer. Like, this is dumb. This is real dumb. Let's see if did anyone make a comment on this article? I love when there's dumb articles and then there's comments. I don't see any comments though, or I just can't figure out how to find them. That's like a trend in oh no, there's so many comments. Okay. We got a comment about terrorism. I'm not reading it. We got a we got a cancer conspiracy theory. Probably is a cure, but they just won't release it. Okay. Someone wants to know if it could be cannabis. Uh can we hire them to cure racism? I like people. A guy wants to know, could they work on menopause next? Peeps, you're just shedding brilliance on so many, <laughs> so many parts of this story. Um, well, it's awesome that they're giving other options for these people to research. You know? I know. Since yeah. Because they have an idea. But yeah. Like now, now they got like lots of ideas. I like, I don't know what, it's, what this type of argument is called, but there's... um. A person refuting the pull quote, like, why, why say this claim is yet another in a long line of spurious blah, 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 you know, false promises for cancer patients. Just because it's being developed in Israel, they have some pretty bright people over there. No, dude. No. (laughs) Like, I like, it's like when you, when you pair like a cause and an effect with no, you know, like that was not what the expert was saying, right? As evidenced by the second half of his quote. All right, and then and then exactly. it just it just devolves into name calling and squabbling. Um, what? That that's crazy. That is crazy. Also, I too have heard there's some pretty smart people in Israel, so why not? Um, I just I I like that we think we can make a statement about the intelligence of an entire nation. You know, like there's some pr- smart people over there. Yes, like also some smart people in Siberia. Are they curing cans? I just oh, logic. Laura, there's no logic. None. I just want, like, I also don't, like, I want, I would like to know more about how it's similar to HIV treatments, because, like, HIV is a virus, and so you're stopping the virus from multiplying, you're stopping the mutated cancer cells from multiplying, I don't know. Um, they can't tell you too much, Robin, they don't want you to scoop their research. They do not. Wait, did you catch the name of this treatment? Is Mutato? No. M-U-T-A-T-O? Mutato? Hmm. Keep an eye out for it. Well, yeah. Listen, they didn't do much in convincing us in this piece. But unlike almost all the other pharmaceutical products we've heard about, they came up with a good name for this one. So yeah, that is shocking. Well, ding, ding, ding. Accelerated Evolution Biotechnologies Limited. You have done something right. And if you cure cancer, good we'll marketing. give you a big thumbs up in a year. Guarantee in a year they're going to be like more research needed, though. Or they'll have lost their funding. I don't know. Either way. So what's your current medical fascination? Well, I've been thinking a lot about nutrition and iron absorption rates. Um, I finally got my sainted blood test. And I'm fine, but my levels had dropped off. Like, I'm still in the good range, but my levels had gone down by like a third um, since I stopped taking a gigantic amount of a supplement. So, you know, as I'm fiddling with that, 
I kind of learned like calcium can block iron absorption and vitamin C can help. And like this whole range of questions came up about for me about like, well, what's the point of a multivitamin if half the stuff in there blocks half of the other stuff in there? Like, ah. so um, also fun fact that my doctor asked me to increase my supplementation by like an amount that's not currently sold. So now I'm like breaking these things into quarters and like, you know, <laughs> it's become a very, a, a, not a very scientific process, but um, mm. perhaps more interestingly, I'm still working on this whole concept of joy in 2019. And I feel like I've hit some, I've hit some questions and some roadblocks in, um, my joy journey. And I have a question for you, Laura, which is this. What do you think is mm-hmm. the difference between joy and happiness, if any? Um, I mean, do you want to get like spiritual about it? I mean, you can take this in any direction. Okay, so like to me, the difference between happiness is an emotion that you feel. Joy is a deep-seated spiritual thing that your soul uh, releases and puts out into the world. So can you be joyful but not I happy? Feel, I feel happy, but I I am joyful. Uh, so is my is my quest for joy in 2019 like wrong-headed? Should it have been a quest for happiness? Ooh, I don't even like that. No, I don't. Th- I think I think joy is the correct one because it's not just about like happiness. I think joy is deeper than that. Joy yeah. is being in the moment, and even if it's kind of a shitty situation, still finding like the positive and the, like the silver lining, and being you can still be joyful even in like a shitty situation. Whereas I don't think you can always be happy in a shitty situation. Yeah. One of my friends told me that her definition was like joy is a choice and happiness is like an outcome. And I don't know. Also, a blogger who I respect said that you can either be interesting or you can be happy, which uh, I don't know that they're mutually exclusive. So yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot and this whole whole idea. Like the whole idea of pursuing happiness for some reason really turns me off. But joy, because I feel like I I like your definition of it being like something a little deeper and like that you could have a joyful life that's not happy every day or that has like periods of unhappiness. Um, Mm -hmm. But that you're like fundamentally in a state of some kind of positivity about your existence. Like... Or that you're, like, finding things that, like, celebrate being alive. Yes. So, all right, like listeners, <laughs> that's your Joy Watch update. Laura, the, <laughs> govern- the government is open. What Woo-hoo! is your current political fascination? Well, I don't know if it's quite political fascination or whatever, but there was, like, an update with the CRISPR babies. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Them? Mm-hmm. So there was some concern within the scientific community that like the kids didn't exist at all <laughs> um, because they're, they're like one or two um, and like the parental units were not available to be interviewed by anyone. And it was like, you can't see any of my data uh, and it wasn't published anywhere. It was just like a presentation at a conference. Right. So like there was a lot of skepticism about like whether or not it was even whatever. Right. Yeah, But China's government investigated it and have placed, uh, like, sanctions kind of on the doctor for violating their ethics codes, which kind of gives more credence that these kids do exist. Yeah. That's just kind of a CRISPR baby update for you. (laughs) And didn't, wasn't there some Nobel Prize winner 
Or is that what you were just talking about? Like who knows who said he knew of them in advance? Although I guess that doesn't guarantee their existence, but. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there was just questions because like nobody could, it wasn't, there was no like scientists want to verify and there was no one who was able to corroborate the story that way. Really? So yeah. So the plot thickens. The plot thickens indeed. All right. I think that's about enough bad patienting for me for one week. If you'd like to help us out, you can recommend the podcast to a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your media. You can follow us on Twitter at The Bad Patient and send your story ideas to hello at thebadpatient.com. We'll say a special thank you to Evan Schaefer, our theme song composer. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Evan. Uh, and you can listen to his music on soundcloud.com slash Evan Schaefer, a URL I can never, ever forget. Until next time, we are Bad Patients. <laughs> <laughs>